Welcome back to the Energetics of Everything, your favorite place to learn about all things wealth, health, and personal development from an energetic perspective. If you are someone who is in pursuit of both being the best version of yourself and creating a wildly impactful life, then this is the place for you. Throughout this podcast, you will learn how to use my hindsight as your foresight as you identify your purpose, optimize your behavior patterns, and create a ripple effect of positive change that your soul knows you're capable of. My name is Eden Carpenter, and I am so excited to be a part of your personal growth today. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Energetics of Everything. We have Catherine with us. Catherine is my 4'6 ego manifester friend. We've been in each other's worlds for like six years now. It's got to be like six years because you attended the first ever free masterclass that I ever created. You came and you attended the first ever group coaching program that I ever ran. (laughs) You've been in my world forever. You went through my certification. You've been a support coach. And along the way, I feel like we both just talk human design in a way that I don't feel like I can talk human design with other people the way that I talk to you. Yes, I can with a lot of people, but I feel like we just understand it at such the same way (laughs) since we've been talking about it and studying it together for like six years. So yeah, we just have the most fun conversations. And I feel like every time we talk, I'm like, we could do a whole podcast on that, a whole podcast on that, a whole podcast on that. Literally when we talk on the phone, it's like three plus hours, (laughs) one to three hours of just back and forth, amazing conversations. And I always feel so good. So I feel like this is going to be so much better than me staring at a wall or staring at an outline, wondering what I'm trying to pull out of my brain today. So welcome, Catherine. I'm so excited you're here. I'm so excited (laughs) I'm here too. I know. I feel like every time we talk on the phone, I'm always like, we should really be recording this conversation. (laughs) Why are we recording this? This is great. I agree. We talk the same human design language because, I mean, you weren't just learning it when I met you. You had already really learned it, but you were just learning how to talk about it and communicate it. And I was just learning it. I feel like we always kind of like talked through things to each other. Mm-hmm. And then it just became a bizarre little way of communicating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for this episode, we figured we would do a fun little introduction thing. And I pulled up our charts because of course we're going to be talking about human design and all of the things, but instead of doing a like basic, this is who we are. This is our story. We're going to go through our toxic traits according to human design. <laughs> I feel like what mine are because I wear them proudly on display, but it's fine. I'll show you that I own them. Okay, cool. So <laughs> I think that we have to start with our origin story and how we actually got connected because it's such a great example of some of our toxic traits. So one of my toxic traits is that I have this really clear, crystal clear, photographic, specific memory. And I saw Catherine post a picture on her Instagram stories of an ice cream cone. And I was like, there is no way 
but I feel like that is the ice cream shop. Like I recognized the picture and the background and all of the things. And I was like, there's no way that you live in the town that I lived in that's across the country from where I am now. And you're at the ice cream shop that I went to when I was a child. I'm like, there's no way. But I was like, okay, really random. Let me just reach out and say this thing. And I reached out and I was like, are you at this particular ice cream shop in this particular town? <laughs> And then Catherine comes in. And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did you know that? And my toxic trait is that I have no stranger danger at all. Also, I'm pretty sure I was like doing the MLM thing at that point in time, which is a whole other toxic trait of mine. I was just like, yeah. Oh my God. Serendipitous and no filter. And it literally was nonstop ever since. Cause that's weird. I mean, that's weird yeah. though. <laughs> it's really weird. I also don't comment on a lot of things. I don't reach out and respond. I watch my little mountaintop two line observer environment. I like to watch. I like to witness everything. So it was really weird for me to have an urge to reach out to someone and say like, hey, I know where you are. <laughs> but I did. And I'm glad I did because it's ended up in quite an amazing relationship and friendship. So. I'm glad you did too. The funny thing is, I feel like we would have eventually synced up, mm -hmm. but who knows how long it would have taken to get to that point. I mean, I don't know. Maybe like we would have figured it out eventually. I remember going home and telling my mom about it and she was like, what's the last name? And I told her your non-married last name. And she was like, oh, her uncle, your dad and I used to go to his concerts all the time. We all know him. He's pretty cool. And what was it last year? I was at a bar and I was like sending you photos of your family. Yeah. You're like, is this your dad? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I haven't seen him in a really long time, but that's my dad. I'm like, here's your uncle playing guitar. <laughs> yeah. So we live in this weird world where we met online and we've never met in person. The world is a small place, but yeah, we were definitely meant to connect. I feel like because of that family connection too, something was going to happen. We were meant to be in each other's worlds at some point. That night, my mom asked me too. She's like, you should invite Eden. At the time you weren't even in Florida. You were, yeah. where were you? Missouri? Missouri. Yeah. I was like, she lives like in Missouri. Mom's like, I had no idea. I thought she was like an hour away. Yeah, like, you're like, no. well, her family's here. She's like, oh, that's so weird. I'm like, yes, that's what we've been saying for like, yeah, a really like, long time. Like now you're getting it. This is weird. I'm like, I swear I talk and people don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah. It's like, or our other option is we could do exactly what I said in the first place. My toxic trait is I told you six line things for oh real. <laughs> that has been my whole life. It's always been like, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. And I just eventually learned there's no point in fighting it. These people are going to come back to me years later because they always do and say, Hey, you were right. I was wrong. And I'm going to say, yeah, thank you. Hope yeah. you're well. But I learned decently early on, and I guess in college, not early on, but I learned eventually to not argue about it. It's just so fun. It still happens. It happens mm -hmm. faster now. Recently, I've had a lot of experiences where people were like, I think you were right. I'm like, yeah, I was, I know. <laughs> yeah. My younger sister just graduated college with her math degree. So proud of her. She's 21. She's a four, six emotional manny gen. And math degree, did you just yeah, say? Math degree. So a little, you're little all smart. smart. Got it. <laughs> little genius over there. She was talking to me about like, she knows, right? You know, in college, like relationships are such a major theme. We're just entering that intimacy versus isolation, Erickson's stages of development. It's really relationship heavy. And as a four, six, 
emotional manifesting generator. She's just, you know, in the group, in the crowd, but she's so frustrated sometimes because she's like, they don't get it. Like the relationship isn't going to work or something. She has that observation. She has that knowledge and she's trying to tell them. And I'm like, honey, I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> But if they don't want the advice, they're not going to take it. I'm trying to help her not get caught up in the frustration. And it's hard to see people that you care about do something that you know is going to get them hurt or you know is then repeating a pattern or something like that. You're like, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. I'm excited for her to have a six-line older sister who can tell her these things. <laughs> that would have been nice. Well, it's really hard too as a four six, at least for me. Not only can I see it, is it glaringly obvious, but I also have to deal with it and experience it too because of that fourth line where it's like right in my face and it's affecting me. Yeah. My early 20s were really awful <laughs> compared to the other decades, right? Like mm -hmm. zero to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 30. <laughs> 20 to 30, as especially with the friend group, and even just you bringing up that intimacy versus isolation, reflecting on that just now in the five minutes. I went through a huge isolation. I literally left my entire network in New York and moved to bumfuck middle of nowhere and had no friends for like five, six years, had no friends. And then I like made friends with people on the internet, but still really experienced that like... I'm here amongst all of you, but I definitely feel alone. I definitely feel like no one is listening to me and acknowledging me and seeing me. And it made me very angry. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you were a six line vocation with that core wound of it's like alienation almost. Yes, I am. Yeah. 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 <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's also my Saturn gate. So yeah. Mm -hmm. The last like five years especially have been wild. Yeah. I think another one of our toxic traits is that we will bring almost any conversation back to the sixth line. Oh yeah, definitely. It's all my entire personality. <laughs> it is. It's literally <laughs> my personality. <laughs> Especially now it's my entire personality, but you know what? I don't care. And I'm okay with it. Yeah. This is my entire personality. Now it could be worse. I strongly believe that there's a lot of people talking about the six line that aren't six lines and not to be like, and not like other girls, like you don't yeah. get it. Yeah. I strongly believe that the only people that understand me are other six lines, like mm -hmm. to my core. You might think you understand me, but I don't think you do. Yeah, It's like a secret. It's like a special club that, you know what? I'm going to make it my entire personality because it's hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a really unique experience for sure. <laughs> I mean, I think about that with types too, because I have a lot of definition. With all of the definition that I have, there are relationships that I'm energetically never going to be able to experience. I cannot experience a relationship dynamic that is less than seven and two. Like I can have seven and two, eight and one, or nine and zero. Those are the only kind of relationships that I can feel and connect with. And so I was thinking about like, other types as well. And while I can mentally understand and try and comprehend, and you know, we all have all of the types inside of us, even now, like six, seven years into studying the system, I'm like, do I really understand what a manifester is? Do I actually understand the difference between a manifester and a manifesting generator? I think that it's important to just kind of check ourselves on that sometimes because I haven't lived your experience. I can think that I know what I think it feels like to be you, but 
that's always going to be a projection. I'm never actually going to know what it feels like to be in your energy type. Yeah. And I love that you used the word projection because it makes me think of that conversation that we had about sex lines and projections. And this Mm -hmm. is not a toxic trait. So maybe we'll save that for another day. I don't know. My other toxic trait is that I'm highly dramatic as seen by my Mercury and (laughs) (laughs) she's real traumatic. The text that I sent probably five people this week was like, I hate everything. I'm so tired of things not working out. I fucking can't do this anymore. Like freaking out. And then an hour later, I'm like, you can ignore me. I'm fine now. I just just have to get it out. And I have to be dramatic about it. And the best people in my life know that like, I'll get over it in five minutes if you just don't. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, along that dramatic line, I'm an emotional authority with a tribal wave. And then I have gate 36.3 as my unconscious moon. It's my attraction, the gate of chaos and crisis and emotional turbulence. But as a hanging gate, it's really interesting because I'll go in this like, oh my God, the world is ending. My business is crashing. I'm going crazy. With the burn down sale, I was very curious. I was like, am I having a mental breakdown? Am I manic right now? (laughs) Like I'm just losing it, aren't I? I'm just absolutely going crazy but no I was not I forgot where I was going with that so I guess I'll just say that one of my other toxic traits is that I just completely forget and lose my train of thought all the time well I'm curious like so that's your attraction it's like no you're not losing your mind it's like a sign that something's brewing you know where there's chaos there's something that Eden's not aware of I feel like it's also, yeah, I mean, it's like the higher frequency is you get to see humanity, really like turbulence. That's something I've really been looking at lately and contemplating is that humanity is turbulent. Mm -hmm. And like, it does not matter how enlightened you are, how much spirituality you've done, how many times you've meditated, you still have to deal with humanity. I went to a grocery store the other day, I was in a gas station or something like that. And this guy was mad and yelling about his sandwich. And he came up specifically to me because we were in line. And he was like, seeing if he could cut to talk to the manager. I almost froze. I was like, I don't know what to do. You're yelling and you're really mad. And like the therapist, human design expert in me wants to say like, are you okay? Like what's going on? (laughs) Where is this really coming from? Do you want to dive into it? We still have to deal with situations like that. It's a turbulent situation, but that is humanity. I've also been contemplating instead of a healing mindset, adopting a training mindset. Because what if we weren't broken in the first place? I've been on this healing journey, personal development for fucking years. And I don't feel like a broken person. I haven't for a really long time, but I'm also still interested in improving myself. But then when I see an improvement, there's like shame on past me for not having done that yet. And I think that that healing mindset is actually a little bit toxic. So I've been trying to adopt Mm -hmm. a training mindset. So I am training my humanity muscle every single time I feel that emotional chaos and I face it and I'm like cool this is just life this is just being a human awesome let's see what happens instead of allowing it to spiral downwards into the world is ending I'm gonna go just lay in bed (laughs) I love that I resonate with that too in obviously a different way because I don't have like the emotional energy to me, but I used to judge myself and shame myself and try and guilt myself into developing this routine again when I felt like I was losing touch with my spirituality or my gifts or my practice or whatever. Before I found human design, I was like pendulum swing the other way. 
and I still am in a lot of ways. I still do like my candle rituals. I still meditate occasionally. That's like the one thing I do need to be better about. And that's not even like a healing journey, psychic journey. That's like this literally keeps me sane mentally. I saw my plants. Oh my God, I have to tell you a story about my plants today. After this. When I found human design, I pendulum swung the other way. And then I was like really focused on the real world. And I kept like judging myself. I'm like, you're too sucked in. You're too sucked in. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't able to grasp that there's a healthy balance between like the spiritual and the real world. And I could feel myself needing to pull away from the real world because I was literally 28, 29, like going up. Mm -hmm. It was like way too overwhelming for me. And I can't deal with it. And then I was like judging myself for that and all this stuff. It's just so funny because I think about this and I'm like, you are an ego manifester. Every single thing about you is focused on the real world. You are here to experience the magical in the mundane real world. This need for you to be one or the other and like judging yourself for disconnecting. I actually, since I moved, went back to like corporate nine to five, I have had way more magical experiences than I have had any other time when I was sitting in meditation and pulling my tarot cards and crystals, this and that, and Reiki. Those things are all great. And I still love them and I still do them and I still practice them and I still pay people for stuff like that. It's weird. Like I actually don't find my magic in that anymore. Mm. It's like very rooted in humanity. I really resonate. But my plant story... Please tell me the plant story. Okay, this is wild. So I moved in, all my plants died. Literally all my plants. I remember like my old house, I had tons of plants and all of my plants had different meanings. My monstera stands for me. My fiddle leaf fig was my like money plant, which it's really cool when it grows a new leaf. It usually does right before something comes to me. But so when I moved, they all died except for my monstera and my fiddle leaf. My fiddle leaf has not grown a single leaf in a year, despite Me getting a new job, complete pendulum swing the other way as far as income and ability to live the life that I want to live, but it hasn't grown a new leaf at all. Everything blew up, what, six months ago, the last time we had this eclipse season. So it's crazy to me too. Everything blew up and my monstera died to the point where I propagated her before she fully died because I was afraid that I was going to lose her and I love her. I couldn't bring myself to throw it out. Like it was dead. Mm -hmm. And I just sat there. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to dump a ton of water on her and I'm going to go to the gym. I don't know. It stands for me, maybe. (laughs) And and it slowly started perking up. And so then I was like, okay, like, I love you. You're doing good. Like, you're still alive. My cat was eating her. And obviously it's poisonous to cats. So he's like throwing everywhere. Like, it was just drama. Right before I went on vacation last month to go visit family, I saw that my monstera had five new leaves. Five? Five new leaves. I had like still laid off, got that job. It was freaking horrible. Quit it. And then it was just like, you know, application after application. Like I literally got rejected from Barnes and Noble to be a shelf stalker. I was like, I don't understand. Like, I'm so tired of this. Like I was freaking out. But here she is like popping up five new leaves. So I was like, that's interesting. And then my fiddle leaf fig, which has not grown a leaf in one whole year, popped two. And then I got this new job that's like, (laughs) oh, so yeah, that's my leaf. That's my like leaf story. That's my plant story. Yeah. I still find the magic in the, I don't know, in the plants. I have like a brown thumb other than that, but (laughs) I don't know. I thought that was really cool. I haven't told anyone that. 
That's so cool. You've been mentioning it and the sentence, it's so weird that you literally said these words because magic in the mundane has been on repeat everywhere. I've been hearing it everywhere. And it's like, you literally said that. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So there's some sort of signs happening with that specifically. But yeah, I have been spending so much time in real life. That has been like my number one priority because you know me and you know that one of my other toxic traits is that I am obsessed with work and I will literally forget that I exist. I will forget to eat. I will forget to drink water. I will forget to shower. I will forget that I exist or anyone else. Literally my husband will come in just asking if I want dinner or nothing bad, right? He's just checking in on me and I will like snap at him. Like, what are you doing? You're interrupting me. But I'm really obsessed with my work. I get really obsessed with it. I've been prioritizing like the magic in the mundane and just really experiencing and romanticizing my real life. So I have all of my plant care, my skin care, and then all of my rituals and habits, the things that I tend to slack on. I put repeating tasks on my Google calendar. So it literally pops up every single day and it's like a repeating task so I can check it off. So now I have like checklists with reminders. That's actually been really, really helpful. Because oh I've God, been trying to have like, find Ashna. How <laughs> <laughs> do you have the 1762? <laughs> yeah, no, I can color coordinate a calendar like nobody's business. Literally my entire nursing school class in the actual program, everyone's in the same classes. And so I would take all of the syllabi and I would make my assignment sheet with my spreadsheet of when everything is due, but only the assignments, what classes it was due. And then the whole class wanted me to send it out to them. So I did. <laughs> but yeah, magic in the mundane. The other day, my husband and I just went out. We went and got some home decor stuff. We just ran <laughs> some errands. We just went to the dog park. We went and played frisbee golf. We just had a whole day out of the house. And it was so much fun. And I was like, I'm just taking the day off of work. I don't really feel like working. And then I came back and I got so much done. I worked for two hours, maybe. And I went through course material that from a course that I've like enrolled in, got all of the homework done for that. I built out the outline for a specific funnel that I'm doing. I wrote a meditation script. I did so much in two hours. And I was like, wow. When you prioritize real life, this is my sacral energy, really, but it's like it amplifies it. Like, oh, wow, adding in satisfaction gives me more energy. Who would have thunk? <laughs> mm -hmm. Pleasure does not, I mean, it should be in work, but I feel like it should be emphasized not in work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like even with my gate 34, because gate 34 is like the asexual gate, it's very focused on it is literally the translation of that sacral energy into work and effort and creative manifestation essentially i like working on things that are not just work so i've been working on a painting i have a color by number paint by number and i read the instructions i've literally been working on this i've probably spent like 30 hours on this thing because <laughs> i have precision <laughs> and not coloring outside the lines. And I read the thing and it says, once you've painted everything, wait four to six hours before hanging it up. And I'm like, they literally think you're going to get this done in a day? Like the That's color so by funny. number instructions, it's like, let the paint dry for a couple of hours when you're done. I'm like, when I'm done? 
I have come back to him. I have had to get the paint supplies out like five times now. That's so funny. Four to six hours. It takes an hour to do like one square. Is it one of those ones where it's like white and then black? So you really don't need to be that precise because it's black. No, it's not. No, it is. Those are my favorite. <laughs> I could rush it's, through them. It's a whole like multicolored tiger. It has like mm-hmm. 24 different colors. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's fun. (laughs) I can't wait to see when you're done. Oh, we put like the puzzle. We have that Zodiac puzzle that we did. We're doing like a craft wall right now. Oh, that's cool. That's going to be a wall of satisfying projects that we've done. That would be really cool. The recharge of that in the living room as an environment thing, I think it's going to be really good. I would like to just like watch that. Like, don't ask me to do things. Like, I'll sit and hang out with you while you do the thing. Yeah. (laughs) I'll, like, do the thing for, like, 20 minutes. (laughs) Will you talk to me while I build the puzzle? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I might, like, look at it, move some things around the table, and then, like, go get a snack. Perfect. (laughs) I'll make the snack. (laughs) You refill the beverages. (laughs) And I'll set the music. And I'll like read my book next to you. Perfect. <laughs> yes. Co-working. <laughs> I actually was just in Barnes and Noble yesterday and I was tempted by the puzzles, but I like, I'm like, what? you don't do puzzles. You don't need to buy something, Catherine. I'm really <laughs> trying to experiment with not purchasing things and seeing what kind of effect that has on me. But my toxic trait is that I literally emotionally regulate by spending money. So <laughs> probably won't happen. But maybe we could spend money in different ways. Have mm-hmm. less things. Probably not going to work. <laughs> I just money need a bigger space. Okay. So speaking of puzzles, Jason got one for Christmas. And it's like black, lots of vines, lots of blue. Mm. And it's a Star Wars thing. So it's like Yoda it was either a thousand or 1500 pieces. It was a fucking lot of pieces. And all of the pieces looked the same. This literally took us like two months. We had it laying out on our table and like, we just looked at it and we're like, Oh, I just can't because they're all the same. I just organized them by shape. And then it was just like, try this one, try this one. We realized that the chandelier in our dining room was giving it a glare. And so I literally couldn't tell the difference between these blue pieces, but then we got like a different light. And all of a sudden I was like, oh wow, that is slightly different shades of blue. Now I can kind of see the pattern. We've had it out for a while. And of course our cat likes to just throw pieces around the room. And so we finish it and there's a piece missing. One piece missing. We spent months on this thing. And we're so mad because he wanted to hang it up. And we were like, fine, whatever. We get rid of it. We would just put it all back in the box. And then I had that urge like two weeks ago to rearrange. I was like, we need to take the little leaf out of the table. The table needs to change. It's wrong. <laughs> Undefined G Center, like the environment's wrong. I have to change it. It's changing now. We take the leaf out of the middle of the table and guess what we fucking saw? In that. The puzzle piece. <laughs> Oh my God. I wish you had told me because I would have been like, no, just glue it to a black background and hang it up and no one will even know it's missing. Right? Yeah. So now we have the one puzzle piece and we're just staring at it and I'm like, okay, maybe we'll work up the sacral energy to redo it. (laughs) And probably not. 
just frame the one puzzle piece <laughs> isn't that on an episode of Grey's Anatomy no that's a post-it note oh yeah it's a post-it note but Same still <laughs> yeah I like their vows were on a post-it note so yeah, yeah I think <laughs> okay frame we'll frame our piece. one puzzle piece and I'm just gonna write in sharpie if you know you know <laughs> Just like put it on a necklace and wear it. It'll be like a cute romantic reminder. There's symbolism there somewhere. My sixth line is like, no, there's symbolism somewhere there. That has a meaning. There's something about it's the journey, not the destination. It's the experience. We got to spend so much time together talking and listening to audiobooks and putting this puzzle together. That's probably what it's about is like the quality time, not the finished puzzle. Or is it just symbolism for the healing journey? Going back to our earlier conversation, being like, there's always going to be something missing. There's always going to be something that's wrong or something that's not totally the best or something that could be better. We're always going to need to feel like we need to make something better. I don't know. Or is that just my perpetual struggle of never being satisfied? That's one of my toxic traits too. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I literally used to say that and it became a running joke. We'd have weekly meetings and it'd be my turn to speak and they'd be like, oh, like here she is never satisfied. I'm like, I know you guys laugh because you don't know what I mean when I say it. <laughs> but I'm being serious. I don't know when enough is enough. You have to tell me. <laughs> That's also our like gate 58 dissatisfaction shadow. Oh yeah. And what is that? That's like my unconscious North node. Yeah. Because my conscious north node is gate 10. Yeah, it's my Capricorn. It's the Capricorn in me that's like, I will reach the top of the mountain. And then when I get there, it won't be good enough and I'll have to keep going. So you get to the top of that mountain and then you see the next one. And you're like, oh, I'm just getting started. Yes. Yeah, I'm really hoping that that's how it goes from now on. Because usually I get to the top of the mountain and then like a gust of wind comes and like knocks me all the way back down to the bottom. And it's like, try again. It's blowing you to a new mountain. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. It's quite fun. Optimism. (laughs) (laughs) I do have a lot of optimism, but I also feel like it can go the other way. I have a lot of optimism for other people. It's pessimism for me. Well, it's the three line, six line experience, right? What I was reading about it, it was really saying that you have all of this optimism in those first 30 years of your life. And you're like, okay, no, I am going to change the world. And I'm going to save everybody. I'm going to help everybody. I'm going to help everyone, everyone, everyone. And the optimism is pretty much the delusion that you can help everyone. Mm-hmm. And then the three line experience and that trial and error and that need for resilience that is called out of us in our first 30 years, as we have both experienced, it kind of dampens that a little bit. It's our reality check of like, you're really good. And you have this aloof above the clouds vision for the future that is a little bit untethered. And now that you've had the reality check, you know that you can't help absolutely everybody, but it's still worth it to be in that delusional space and to stretch for that bigger vision. It's the same way, but I was also seeing it as, because like Dason's a three, five. And so when we're getting ready to go somewhere, we're getting ready to do something for him to almost prepare himself for the experience. He has to go through the pessimistic worst case scenario. And then for me to like prepare myself for it, I have to go through best case scenarios. An example of his sister and her nieces and nephew, they're like two and a half hours away. 
and they just had like three birthdays. They're all close together, a couple weeks apart. It's been like birthday party, birthday party, birthday party. When we go to that, he prepares himself with, okay, it's going to suck. The drive is terrible. Every time we go there, the weather is bad. It always rains. They're always so loud. He has to prepare himself for the worst case scenario so that if something negative does happen, he's like, yeah, I expected that. That pessimism almost prepares him for that trial and error three line martyr experience that he's going to have versus the six line for me if i go into it thinking that like it's going to suck and the rain is going to be terrible and the weather is going to be bad and it's going to be too loud and i'm going to be bored or anything like that then i'm going to just drain my energy and i'm not going to want to go but if i'm in the energy of they're, they're going to have so much fun like what if the weather isn't that bad i'm like yeah sometimes in the past weather's been bad sometimes road trips go really fast sometimes it's like a blink of an eye, all of a sudden we're there. And so I can get into the like best case scenario. It could be a really fast drive. The weather could be really good today. They could be just in a great mood today. If I think that, then if something bad happens, I'm like, oh, okay, like one small bad thing, but it's not like the end of the world for me. That's really the difference. And so there's that three line, six line narrative. And I just got on a whole tangent. No, that's so interesting because <laughs> I definitely relate to that. And it got like chiseled away up until recently. It got chiseled away to the point where I was just in a pretty dark and twisty place like a year and a half ago, two years ago. Not doing great mentally. And then it like switched and everything got better. And then I got on that delusion train again where I was like, oh, like everything's great. Everything's great. It can only go up from here. I never consider that I'm not going to get the thing. I always am just like, oh, yeah, well, of course, this is going to be what's given to me. And then it doesn't happen. And then I'm like, ah, like the world is ending and I suck. What I've noticed in myself recently, and this is a new shift that happened without me even being aware of it. And then one day I noticed it and I was like, oh, you're different. Interesting. Because now I'm just like, well, something's going to (laughs) happen. I always joke when I get on a plane, every time I get on a plane, I change my life. I don't know what that means. Could be great. Last time it was terrible. This time it was great. Last time I was in the environment I'm going to this weekend, my entire world blew apart and exploded. Something's going to happen. I found this very objective middle ground. And that's interesting too, because when I speak like that a lot, it's always interesting to hear how people react to that. Lately, I've been getting a lot of, they view it as a negative thing. And I'm like, no, like I'm not being negative at all. Actually, I feel like this is a very healthy perspective for me to have. I'm not attached to anything. I'm here in the moment. It's going to give me something. I don't know what it's going to be, but I trust that however it goes, it's supposed to go that way. And I'm just going to roll with it. It doesn't need to be violent. That's been a huge theme for me. It doesn't have to be so violent and chaotic not even externally chaotic because it's actually not even that externally chaotic it's internal chaos which inevitably makes outside of me even worse because I'm a freak and then like (laughs) I immediately impact everything around me and then it goes crazy I guess you could say that's my one of my toxic traits too my toxic trait is I literally just don't know I said that in an interview that's another toxic trait oh my god (laughs) Talking about existing in the real world with the knowledge of human design, I exist in the real world, but I can't play by those rules. <laughs> yeah. Like I refuse. And so it makes it a lot, I don't want to say it makes it a lot harder for me. It just makes things take a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. When I was interviewing for this situation I found myself in, the first question was, where do you want to live in five years? I was like, I 
don't know. Literally out of my mouth. I was just like, I don't know. I don't even know who I am. Yes. <laughs> First person was like, oh, my, that's a great thing to say in an interview, Catherine. Like what? They don't want to hear that. You know, another one, they were like, how much money do you want to make in five years? I said, every time I answer this question, I feel like I'm always perceived in the way that I do not want to be perceived. And it's not what I mean. They just kind of looked at me and they're like, "Uh uh-huh. I'm like, I'm not motivated by money like that. Like I am, don't get me wrong. I need it. I want it. And I want a lot of it, but I don't make decisions because of how much money is promised to me Mm -hmm. because that doesn't always mean it's the right place for me to be just because you're saying like, Oh, I'm going to pay you $250,000 a year to come do this. That amount of money might not be worth what you need me to do. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know. I just want to be able to live and afford my life and travel and do good things with my money and have a lot of it. I don't want that to be a source of stress. They were like, yeah, get that. (laughs) Okay. Usually when I say that, they don't like that answer. (laughs) I mean, if they can accept that, then that's a good sign. Yeah. It's like testing people. You throw it out there and then be like, how are you going to respond to that? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and speaking of being a six line, because it's my entire personality, this is why I'm here for the moment and who knows what's going to happen. Who knows throughout the course of the season, what will happen, but it's been an interesting six line experience for me because this person is 11 years younger. And at least the way I'm experiencing things right now, there's so much room for my authority and there's so much room for my perspective and my, how I see it and not even room for it, but like a desire for it yeah, and a recognition of it. And I've never gotten that in my peers. And it reminds me of the story that you were telling about your sister. I've never gotten that in my peer group. I still don't get it really in my peer group. I get it a little bit more now, a little Mm -hmm. bit more now, but I don't really get it in my peer group. And I do not get it from people older than me. No. (laughs) I just was assistant director, wear of many hats. I don't know what I was, production assistant, light board operator. I just did whatever was needed and directed a few scenes for the show. And it was all kids under the age of 20. I had more than one person be like, have you ever considered working with teenagers? Cause you're really good with them mm-hmm. and they really like you. I'm like, no, I'm just a six night. That actually sounds miserable. <laughs> I don't want to do that at all. I can't talk to them the way I talk to them now, but it's just interesting. I'm like, oh, huh. I've never experienced this before. I mean, I have, I don't necessarily want my own, but I've always liked them more. Mm-hmm. I would prefer to sit at the kid's table on the adult's table. I'm five too. I'm short. And I sit in the back seat when we're visiting family, we all are getting in the big car together. One, the kids request it, <laughs> but two, mm-hmm. I can fit in the back seat between the two car seats. <laughs> but yeah, I love adults. Adults are fun. And also kids are way easier to talk to. Mm-hmm. Way easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been a really interesting. This is like a new part of that, that I've never acknowledged before. You know, so then I'm like, okay, well, again, my like little aloofness coming through of like, "Hmm, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It's also been interesting because I want to say it's really exclusively a four, six thing because it's that double transpersonal inception of self life experience that we kind of have. I really think that things speak to me through other things and other people. I get that though, with the trans Um, 
profile, learning through other people with the four six and how it's like this external experience and you're learning about yourself through other people. But like I as a six two sometimes get that where I will have had a thought, will have had a feeling, something that I want to work through come up and then I'm like, mm, not right now. And I'll kind of push it down. And then I'll have a session or a client or a friend or someone who puts me on the spot and asks me the same question that I was just not allowing myself to get to for myself. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, one, I get to show up for this person. I get to show myself that I do know the answer and I have to provide it to them, be that role model. But at the same time, it's like I'm healing it for myself. It's mm. like doing it internally wouldn't quite have done it, but because it was pulled out of me, it's so much more powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the transpersonal part of it. Also, the external thing for you to respond to. You have the internal thought, but it's got to come outside first, you know? I've had a lot of experiences and in a similar way. You have the idea and then it finds you outside of yourself. For me, I'm starting to figure this out. This took me a really long time to figure out, <laughs> annoyingly, but- when I want something and I have to keep in mind that my authority is a 4-1, I have a weird way of looking at charts where if I notice a profile that happens with a channel or something, I think it's really important. And so my authority is a 4-1 and my whole life I've always been just so angry because every time I want something, it feels like I'm constantly just like beating against a brick wall. It's like, well, I want this. Why can't I have it? I don't understand why I want something and instantly there's all this resistance mm -hmm. to it. Or people have all these opinions about it. Recently, I've been like, no, I'm not saying anything to anyone about anything because it is going swimmingly and I have peace. Still, people will find ways to, I don't know, it's almost like a test. I can't explain it. People will start talking about things or I'll see it in a movie or a TV show that'll remind me of something. And then I'm like, wait, this is so contradictory to how I'm feeling and what I want and where I'm going. And I used to be like, oh, it's a sign I shouldn't do it. It's a sign I shouldn't do it. And now I'm kind of starting to see it as it's actually not a sign that you shouldn't do it. It's more of a stop point and very much like you're saying like, oh, it came up for me to work through with this person while also helping them work through it. For me, it's like, okay, this is a stop point. How do I feel when I'm confronted with this information? Yeah. If I'm angry, it's not a sign that I'm angry because I can't have the thing or because I'm being told I can't have the thing. It's a sign that I'm angry because I want the thing. <laughs> like, yeah. It took me way too long to figure that out. And so now I'm just like, oh, that's nice. Please go away. <laughs> I want this thing. And I also don't care. I used to be like, oh, I don't want to get hurt. And now I'm just like, yeah, I think I'll be okay. I want it. If I get hurt in the process, that's okay. I yeah. can dust myself off and get back up. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because I don't know how I feel about the six line resiliency thing. Does it really go away? Are you ever resilient? I've heard from some six lines because, of course, I study six lines like no one's business. I'm over here just watching everyone and no one knows how much I watch people. I guess that's another toxic trait of mine is I am a silent stalker. <laughs> I am a silent stalker. I have charts of celebrities and people that do not have their birth times and information out there on the internet, but I figured it out. I can get some information about you. I think I have so much analytical judgment, observe, reanalyze in me that I'm really good at kind of picking up on, I could narrow it down when your birth time probably is based off of your personality to your chart. 
Oh yeah, that's another one of my toxic traits. Like, <laughs> know absolutely everything about everyone. So I started out by saying I'm a stalker, and I don't remember where I was. Oh my god, we're both so bad about this. We were talking about six line resiliency. <laughs> Yeah, I can't think in a straight line. I tell myself that all the time. I do not think in a straight line, but sometimes I'll be able to loop back and close the loop. But anyways, I stalk six lane profiles, especially as somebody who, I don't know, I feel like there's some sort of karma around my six line profile and being someone who is as obsessed with human design as I am. And also I will have over seven years of deconditioning before I go up on the roof. I'm coming up on seven years of studying the system and I still have two years <laughs> before I go up on the roof officially. But I've been watching a lot of six lines. And from what I've heard, it's almost like with that resiliency, I've heard people say it's like you take the weight off of your shoulders. There's no longer that feeling of responsibility because we were talking about this and the projection on the six line of this assumed perfection. Five lines have this projection of judgment and that heretic of you're judgmental, you're saying things that you're going against the grain, you're being harsh. Five lines are like you're judgmental and in unrelatable. Yeah. Not in a bad way, but like that's, yeah, that's the projection that five lines will get is like if it's anyone's fault, it's your fault. But the six line projection is this like assumption that you are perfect. Mm -hmm. There's this higher expectation. They expect better than you. Instantly put on from birth. I have a very distinct memory of being in first grade and we were told to not talk. We were doing some kind of silent work. And this kid stole my crayons. And I was like, those are my crayons. I literally like turned to him. I was like, those are my crayons. And I got in trouble. And I had to go recess detention or whatever. I was kept inside during recess. And I was like, I didn't do anything. He took my crayons and I couldn't do work. And I remember my mom was a teacher in the building. And she found out that I was being held back from recess because I wasn't following the rules. And I got in even more trouble. And I was just like, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. That is a very distinct memory for me. Mm-hmm. I will die on the hill that the six line has a projection. It's just not in the same way. It's a unspoken expectation that you should know better and do better and set the example. You should be the one that people look to as the example of what to do. I have a story about that because I am rule following goody girl. The expectation of also being the eldest daughter with all my younger siblings, it was very much there. But I remember being at a gymnastics competition and it was one that we had competed the day before. We were just going to support some of the other girls because it was local. We were in the area. There's like a couple of teenagers in a group. We're not doing anything crazy. At one point we went out to get water bottles from the car or something like that. We're in like a convention center and the security guard stopped us and got us in trouble because someone was walking on an escalator. Wasn't me, but someone was walking on an escalator. That's what we got in trouble for. A whole bunch of security guards come around us. There's like five of us teenagers. We're not doing anything, but we get walked in to go sit back down by our parents. And then the next day we get back to practice, the coach calls us in and is saying, why did I have to hear from this other coach that girls on my team were getting in trouble with the security? You're representing your team, this whole reputation thing. They really, really went at this other girl, my friend, because she was kind of a troublemaker. She would get into things like that. And of course, I have never gotten 
gotten in trouble and I'm sitting there petrified of how could we get in trouble for this? I feel so ashamed. I've never done anything bad in my life. You don't understand. She left crying and then they went at me of like, why didn't you stop this? You're her friend. Do you not care about her? You let her make these bad decisions. She's hanging out with these bad influences. These guys aren't good for her. This whole thing of like, you're her friend. Why don't you care about her? It was my responsibility for the fact that the security guard didn't like that we walked on the escalators. (laughs) Yeah, because you know better. Yeah, like I should have known better. (laughs) I should have been able to control the situation. I just like in that moment have this like very vivid like you expect things from me that I cannot do as a 14 year old I was just like you're insane (laughs) as an adult that's not working the way that it should yeah six lines and projections for sure it exists it's a thing yeah let's do a couple more toxic traits really quickly to just wrap up the episode So I guess another one of my toxic traits is with my undefined G-Center and my two-line unconsciously. I have a really hard time seeing myself. So Mm. when we prepped for this episode, I actually texted my sisters and was like, hey, I'm doing an episode on toxic traits. I don't know what mine are. What do you think they are? (laughs) So that's another one of mine. We'll just throw that out there. Another one of mine is denial. (laughs) I was reading about this too, and it's so funny because gate 40 and gate 26 Both of the gates I have defined in my ego center have a theme of denial within them. And so it's so funny that it shows up. But one of my toxic traits is I deny my desires and I deny the very obvious things that are in front of me until I can't overpower it. Yeah. With nursing, I was miserable. I was crying on the way to work every day. (laughs) I was bitching about it to everyone. But I had this like, there's no signs. There's no obvious external reason other than I don't feel like being here that's saying it's not for me. I literally had the thought of if I just don't pass my nursing boards, that means I'm just not meant to be a nurse. And then it's like an external reason for this. And then I passed it on like the minimum number of questions that you can. And I was like, well, that's nice. (laughs) But yeah, I will deny things with the ectopic pregnancy too. Like I'm not in pain. I'm fine. I'm fine. And like eight days of internally bleeding later, I remember filling out that form and I was like, what's my address? <laughs> it was taking me a while to remember my address. And everyone's like, it's a really good thing you came in tonight. So yeah, denial, denial of reality. I am hardcore delusional. <laughs> that was my toxic trait. <laughs> you gotta be though. That 26, because I, I mean, I've got that one loud and proud. You've got to be a little bit. I'm the same way because I think I can make this situation whatever it's going to be for me. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's interesting that you say because there's no external signs because I often think about this too. The further I get through this experiment situation, just the more I integrate it and live from it. I swear these other things I used to be like, okay, I don't really know if this is right. And I'd pull a card or my lion ass pendulum. If you know, you know, I'm always like my stupid lion ass pendulum said this, or I'd be like, show me this. Can I trust this? I need a number. I need a purple elephant. I need whatever. And now they play tricks on me. It's on purpose. Like I know my stupid little pendulum. It's on purpose because I feel like just the further you get into it, the less it happens. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting because I have just slowly over time 
had less and less of a desire to check in with my pendulum. I hardly ever use it. I still can't find it. I have so no idea where it went. I'm convinced it's you can't find it because I asked you to use it. <laughs> but I don't think I've used it since the last time you asked me to use it. I haven't checked in with it. There's been just more assurance and less of a desire to be like, I don't know what's going on. What are the signs? What does this mean? It's more of like, oh, that's happening. And I just innately know what it means. So that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I feel the denial thing. Mine is less denial, I think, and more like I have rose colored glasses on. I don't see things clearly, but I swear I do. And then I'm always beside myself when it's revealed that I was incorrect. Although I think that's getting a little bit better now too. I can be blinded. Let's just say that. I can be very blinded by what I want and very bull. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I feel like I am a bull in a china shop going after my own desires. I've really enjoyed relaxing when it comes to that. It's funny talking about my toxic traits because I really feel like a lot of my toxic traits aren't so toxic for me anymore. Yeah. Am I like maturing? <laughs> is this what this rooftop thing means? It's self-acceptance, right? It's shadow work. Again, this is like my healing versus training mentality that I'm really playing with right now because we're thinking about toxic traits, all of this. In Gene Keys, it says that the gift is cultivated in the shadow. Yeah. And so it's literally like, and I think about working out. If you want abs, do crunches. I don't know. People have different thoughts about that, but work the muscle <laughs> to make it stronger. <laughs> In the moment, you're like, oh my God, I feel so weak. I can't even do 10 of these. I am shaking. This yeah. sucks. I did a lot of weightlifting and I did competitive gymnastics for nine years. Every workout, you get to that point where this fucking sucks. My body hurts. I feel weak because you're literally designed to push your edges so that you can get stronger. Yes, in the workout, in the moment, in the shadow, it hurts. It's always going to hurt in the shadow, but it doesn't mean that you're not stronger. It doesn't mean that you are back where you started or that it's a toxic trait. And I feel like we get to accept our toxic traits and... I love it. Every single time I'm like, oh, I want this to happen faster. I'm like, ooh, I am practicing patience right now. I am getting stronger with my patience muscle because right now I want something to happen and it hasn't happened and I'm going to wait for it. So I've just been like trying to switch that. It's not a toxic trait. It's not something I have to fix. It's not something I have to heal. It's something that I am going to experience over and over and over again, but it's human. I don't have to judge myself for that toxic trait. I think mm -hmm. that the judgment and the shame around the bad thing or experience in the shadow is actually where the negative spiral comes from. It's not in the experience of the shadow because if you're a human, your dog is going to do something and you're going to get mad, right? It's so human to have those responses and to have those reactions. And this is like bringing back my gate 36 that I've been playing humanity right it's just life yeah. so let me ask you why do you think you found human design Ooh, i think i found human design because i was looking for a sense of self and i really needed something that was gonna tell me to stop looking outside of myself for a sense of direction why did you find human design why did it come to you because I was a hot mess. <laughs> I shoved it down your throat. <laughs> I was a hot mess. I think I really found it for where I am right now over the last like five years. I say, I don't know how I would have gone through this without this awareness, but I also don't know if I would have experienced the same things if I didn't. Yeah. It kind of feels like a double-edged sword. Would it have been <laughs> less terrible if I didn't have the awareness? 
Or would it have just been really terrible and I would have really struggled? I don't know. I'm choosing to believe the more optimistic side of things where I needed it for the now and the future too. I definitely think it found me because I was a mess. Like I was a mess. It was after my whole ex experience and I was a mess. That's why I think it found me. I love that. I think that's a perfect note to end on. (laughs) It's a wrap. And I had fun. I'm just so excited. There's so many cool things we're going to talk about. We've been saying for years that we should be recording our conversations. And we're finally recording our conversations. You're welcome, world. You're welcome, internet. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, we'll talk to you soon.